There is something inside of you that wants to find the thing that you were made to do. Become confident of it. It'll change your perception of your future. Do you have the courage to think something beyond where you are? My calling will find me. Lord, I just pray your anointing on this message this morning. God, you have so impressed on my heart that this is for such a time as this. There's an urgency, Lord. There's an intensity. And so, Father, I pray that each and every heart would be open and ready to receive something from you. You have something for everyone in this room, everyone watching online. There's there's a part of this message that you want to speak to their hearts. And so, Lord, let us be willing to receive whatever it is, Lord, whether it's an encouragement or a rebuke, God. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Continuing in this series of Isaiah 6, Send Me. And before God can send us into the mission and ministry to which he has called us, he must first prepare us and cleanse us and equip us. And the holiness of the Lord is key to this. Let's read our text, Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And so we see in this incredible vision that Isaiah had, the angels proclaiming back and forth, holy, 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 back and forth, echoing through the temple. And so I want us to continue to focus on the holiness of the Lord. The Lord commands us to be holy because He is holy. And God's holiness has a profound impact and effect on our lives. My, most of you know my oldest daughter and her husband are missionaries in the Middle East. And one day while they were here living in Bakersfield, my daughter was ordering food at a Mediterranean restaurant right here in Bakersfield. And as they were preparing her meal, she overheard them speaking in Arabic. And therefore, she began to speak to them in Arabic as well. And they were stunned. They were so surprised to hear her speaking their heart language. This was their language. And she was speaking it. And when they heard her speaking in their language, they piled on extra food and refreshments and snacks and desserts. They did this because she was speaking their heart language. And I want you to know that holiness is God's heart language. And when we speak holiness and when we live in holiness, we are ministering and blessing the heart of God. And not only that, because we speak his language, he mounts the blessings on us. Press together, shake and running over. God's mercy, God's kindness, God's blessing. And so we need to speak God's language. We need to live according to his holiness. And so again, the context of Isaiah 6 is 
that King Uzziah died and it, it marked the beginning of Isaiah's ministry. And because of his leprosy, Uzziah ruled Judah as a co-regent with his son Jotham. And as I shared last week, Jotham was a good king, but he did not remove the high places. And the high places were Canaanite places of pagan worship. And they were usually found on top of a mountain or a hill, thus the name high places. And when the Israelites came into the promised land, they were to destroy the high places. So the Israelites would not be tempted to worship false gods. However, they did not destroy the high places, and that led to their downfall. How many know if God has challenged us with something, we need to address it? Because we all may have high places in our own lives. They may represent our previous sinful habits or unhealthy ties to our past. They signify temptation, idolatry, and compromise. And you can be a Christian but still have areas of your life that you've got to surrender to God. Things that need to come down. And before we can enter into these promises and blessings that God has for us, some things need to change in our hearts. And I believe the Lord is calling us for deeper holiness in our lives more than ever before. And I just have that sense in my own life and in the, the season of our church that we are to pursue his holiness. And for the sake of review, we need God's holiness in our lives because number one, his holiness reveals those high places in our hearts. Sometimes we're not aware of it, but when we are in the presence of Almighty God, his holiness shines the light in those dark areas of our hearts. And before we're ready to proclaim, here am I, send me, we need to remove those high places in our lives. Is there anything left over from our old life? Isaiah experienced the full force of God's holiness, and it was a shock to his system. Because when you encounter the holiness of God, you are overwhelmed by your lack of it. My second point, his holiness exposes our unholiness. Isaiah was completely overwhelmed by the glory and the holiness of God. And the Lord's holiness will show us our need for his holiness. And number three, when you experience the holiness of God, his holiness provokes a response of woe. When Isaiah faced the full force of the holiness of God, he exclaimed, woe is me. And whenever anyone witnessed the holiness of God, many times their first reaction was the same, woe is me. And woe is a passionate cry of grief or despair. And Isaiah also recognized that he was ruined. He was not only woe to him, but he says, I am ruined. And the word ruin in the Hebrew means to cease, to cut off, to destroy, to silence, to perish, or to be undone. And so Isaiah felt like he was ruined in the presence of God's holiness. He thought he would, would be cut off and undone and ruined because of his own uncleanness. And that's where we left off. We pick up from there this week. Here's another thing the holiness of God does for us. Number four, his holiness uncovers our uncleanness. There are many things in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, things that were clean and things that were unclean. Some of these things were moral issues. Some were dietary restrictions. They weren't allowed to eat shrimp. We couldn't have had a shrimp boil back in the Old Testament. Bless God, the book of Acts says we can now, though. And so there, there were certain foods they couldn't eat or it would make them unclean ceremonially. 
But what God is most concerned is not about the external but the internal, amen? Because it's the heart that changes the outside. And when we witness the holiness of God, we, we're like Isaiah, whoa, whoa, I'm ruined because I have unclean lips. The Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary talks about this. The teaching about uncleanness springs from the concept of God's holiness. Freedom from uncleanness and guilt is possible through God's gracious work. Aren't you glad God can clean us up? Holiness within. Purity of heart is possible through the exercise of faith in Christ's redemption and obedience to his word of truth. We find our holiness not in ourselves but in God. And uncleanness is the opposite of holiness. Holiness and uncleanness are incompatible. They cannot occupy the same place in our hearts. And so God has created a path for us. He has created a highway, a road for us to journey into holiness. Look later on in Isaiah 35 verse 8. Isaiah realizes this, that there's a special day that will come. And he says in verse 8, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. And the unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. And wicked fools will not go about on it. So the Lord has challenged us that we must walk in the way of holiness. And we walk in the way of holiness through obedience to his commands. And holiness is a journey we must seek after. And a process that we must pursue. Because the absolute holiness of God exposes our uncleanness. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. Because God's holiness exposes our uncleanness. There's something we can do about it. And that something is repentance. Wearsby Commentary says, Before we can minister to others, we must permit God to minister to us. You see, Isaiah was called to ministry, but before he could go minister, God needed to minister to him. How many know God needs to minister to us? Before we go out and do what God's called us to do, we need him to minister to us before we go minister to others. I realize every Sunday when I stand up here and give you the the waters of life, living water, I better drink from it myself first. Before I can bring the water to you, it's not like, you know, it's a second-hand glass. I'm not using it that way, you know, and backwash and everything. But, but the living water, I, I need to experience God's word for myself before I can bring it to you. And before we can do anything for God, we need God to do something for us to make us holy. We must walk in that way of holiness. And he goes on to say, before we pronounce woe upon others, we must sincerely say, woe is me. we got to look at ourselves. Isaiah's conviction led to confession, and confession led to cleansing. Number five, his holiness also inspires personal repentance. Isaiah admitted he was a man of unclean lips. What does this mean? To be a person of unclean lips. Again, Wiersbe explains, The sight of a holy God and the sound of the holy hymn of worship 
brought great conviction to Isaiah's heart. And he confessed that he was a sinner. Even Isaiah had to get saved. Amen? And the only way you can get saved is to admit you're a sinner. Unclean lips are caused by an unclean heart. Matthew says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if the, you know, if the stuff coming out is garbage, the inside is garbage. And so we, don't, we clean our lips by cleaning our heart. And when the heart is clean, the lips will be clean. Isaiah cried out to be cleansed inwardly, Isaiah 51.10, and God met his need. I'm telling you, if we repent, God will meet us there. God loves it when a sinner repents. We need to confess our sins to God. We must admit that our heart and lips are unclean, especially in light of God's holiness. And when we confess and repent, the Lord will forgive us. We know this from 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we're not holy, how do we get holy? We confess our sins. We turn from our sins. We repent. Confession makes us clean. You can't be clean unless you can admit you're dirty. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't think much about taking baths or being clean, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, you know, maybe once a week you take a bath and that's only if you're forced to. But the older I got and the more I recognized the opposite sex, the more I decided I need more than once a week shower. Right? And folks, we need more than once a week. We need Jesus every day. We need to confess every day. We need to repent every day because we've all sinned. And fall short of God's glory. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It's a glorious gift that God has given us to make us right with him. If we'll confess our faults, if we'll admit it, if, and we'll turn from it, we'll repent, then God will forgive us on the spot in that moment. And not only will he forgive us, he'll clean us up. All this comes from the Lord. So this, it requires personal repentance. How I many know we, we can't be free until we own our own issues? Until we admit we've sinned? As I've shared before, there comes a time where we got to stop blaming it on our parents, blaming it on our siblings, blaming it on society. How I many you know we got to own it? We got to blame it on ourselves. You know, we learned this from Adam, guys. When they sinned and God said, what'd you do? He said, the woman you gave me. It's her fault. That's when blame shifting started and it hasn't stopped. How I many you know he probably had her eyes boring a hole right through his head? I mean, here he is talking to God and she's right there. I guarantee you, he, he never lived that down for the, and he lived over 900 years. Can you imagine that? So, Adam, remember that time in the garden? You gonna blame me again, huh? So we need to confess our faults so we can be healed. There's no healing without confession. There's no forgiveness without confession. There's no holiness without repentance. And not only do we need to repent 
for our individual sins. We need to repent for the sins of our nation. Number six, his holiness inspires corporate repentance. So we need individual repentance. We need to own our own issues. But how many know the United States of America is in sin? Like we have never seen before. So twisted. I'm going to share in a couple weeks where Isaiah said, you call what is good evil and what is evil good. And that's what's happening in our land right now. And so we can, there's a lot of things we can do about it, but the most important thing we can do is repent for our nation. Repent for our world. And we, there's a biblical example of this. Look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making requests to the Lord my God for his holy hill, Daniel didn't just repent of his own sin, but he repented for the sins of his nation. I think that's something we should do daily. We confess our own sins, but we need to pray for our nation, pray for our people, pray for our family that is astray. And in the book of Jonah, oh, I love the book of Jonah. Maybe that's the next sermon series. Man, it's just, I love it, man, because it's all about fishing. (laughs) And so in the book of Jonah, the entire city of Nineveh repented. He came and told him. Now, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go into it because he knew what God was like. So he went the opposite direction. And finally, you know, God prepared a great fish. You know the story. And so Jonah comes to Nineveh. And he tells them to repent. And to his shock, they do. I mean, here he was the most successful preacher ever. That's revival. I mean, he led the whole city to the Lord. And it made him mad. Because <laughs> he said, I knew it, God. I knew you were merciful. Yeah, like that's a bad thing, that God is merciful. But this is what's amazing. He came and preached, and look what happened. Jonah chapter 3, 4, 5. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned or destroyed. Verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth like a gunny sack. This was a sign in that day of repentance or mourning or sorrow. And not only did they put it on the people, they made the animals wear Y'all that dress up your animals in little costumes, I, I don't know about that. That's it's kind of strange. You look all over Facebook and see costumes on animals. Well, they put sackcloth on the animals, so I guess you do have precedence for it. It's okay. And so we need to repent for our sins as individuals. But we also need to repent for the sin of this nation. Finally, Isaiah said that he had seen the Lord Almighty This is what the holiness of the Lord does for us. Number seven, his holiness enables us to see the Lord. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, we need to see the Lord more clearly in our lives. Now, we won't see him with our physical eyes. Someday we will. But we can recognize his holiness in our life, and in that sense, we can see the work of his hand. We can sense his spirit moving. And so the Bible challenges us in both the Old and New Testaments to be holy. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. 
Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We're to be holy. It's about being, not just doing. How many know we can do holy things externally and still not be holy in our hearts? And so we need that holiness internally from the Lord. And then it will work out into our everyday life. We'll, if we have a holy heart, we'll have a holy life. And so we need to ask for God's holiness. Ask the Lord, make me holy. Because it comes from Him. And He gives it to us and then we're responsible to walk it out, right? To live it out in our lives, the holiness of God. It's not self-righteousness. It's not looking down our nose at other people. That holiness is, is humble, and it comes from the Lord. And holiness helps us see God. In the Life Application Bible, it says, In a time when moral and spiritual decay had peaked, it was important for Isaiah to see God in his holiness. Holiness means morally perfect, pure, and set apart from all sin. We also need to discover God's holiness. We are living in a time of moral and spiritual decay. In our world, in our nation, it's unbelievable. Never has there been a time like this in our modern times. And so more than ever, we need the holiness of God in our lives, in our hearts, it's God's heart language. When his children walk in holiness, it blesses his heart and he blesses his children. Would you bow your heads with me? Worship team, would you come? I want to give you an opportunity today to be right with God. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And you know the first step is to admit you're a sinner and that you need a savior. You can't save yourself. You can't fix yourself. We've tried. You can't fix other people. Oh, we've tried that too. All we can do is come to God and let him do the fixing. Let him do the changing. So if you're ready, if you're ready to admit that you're a sinner, you've sinned, you've made mistakes in your life, you've hurt people, you've hurt God, and you're ready to accept Jesus as your Savior. He will save you. He will forgive you. Now, this, there are people in this world that will never forgive you. But there is a God in heaven that always will. It's one of the greatest gifts we have from the Lord. is forgiveness of our sins. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to make that admission that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place? Yes, yes, anyone else? You want to make that confession? Yes. Anyone else? You want to make that confession? Yes. You can put your hands back down. Thank you for that boldness. That is the first step of your new life with God. And so now I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask the rest of the church to join in. Because you're now part of a family. So if you want to be right with God, you want to be a Christian, you want to be forgiven, please repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sinned. I have done things wrong. 
please forgive me. Come into my heart and life and make me a new person. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for making me holy. And thank you for eternal life in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that there is a party going on in heaven right now for you. And we want to welcome you to the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're not perfect, you'll soon find out. But we strive to be like Jesus. We strive to walk in the way of holiness. And we're grateful you're with us on that journey. But you need to tell somebody. You can take that card in front of you and just check that box and put on, down your name because we want to follow up with you, help you on your journey. Or you can come down and pray with the elders who will be available after service and tell them that you prayed that prayer, that, you wanna, that you're a Christian and they can pray with you. Would you stand with me? For the rest of us, let's keep our conversation to the foyer because there are those that are in the altar and those that would like to worship. But I send you out this week with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.